So welcome to another edition of uh, the Cognivize podcast. This will be the last one for 2017. And uh, we're going to talk about the hindsight bias, which seems like a, uh, a good time to talk about it when we're looking back on the past year. Um, the hindsight bias is basically a I knew it all along bias. Something unpredictable happens and then we kind of reverse engineer like our own memories about it to say, oh, well, we knew that was going to happen, right? And um, this often happens around tragedies, so um, the Challenger explosion um, and the, the whole thing with the O-rings and they shouldn't have been used in that weather. And it seems in hindsight, oh, obvious, why didn't they catch that error before it happened? When in fact, if you actually were living through that process, there were hundreds of things right, that could have gone wrong, that were reported, that didn't actually result in anything with any number of different launches. So it isn't as cut and dry. Um, a similar example is uh, 9-11. You know, there's a, obviously a big um, uh, congressional hearings all about, you know, who knew what when and why wasn't this caught when in fact there were many, many, many similar terrorist warnings out there that turned into nothing. Um, so it isn't as clear cut again. It's like, oh, this was the one obvious you know, a uh, terrorist plot that was that you should have investigated, as opposed to the hundreds of others, right, that were going on that were either prevented or, in fact, were not even real. So it isn't quite as uh, cut and dry until you get to hindsight. Hindsight, you know, we actually reconfigure our memories to make it seem like, oh, well, that we should have known it all along, right? Um, and so there's been a lot of experiments about this. One, um, again, kind of politically, uh, oriented one, uh, back when they first started investigating the hindsight bias, this is around the seventies and, uh, Nixon was going to be going to Beijing and Moscow. And they basically came up with a bunch of predictions, like what do you think might happen? And they gave people some options and people wrote down like the probability of any of those particular options happening. Then the event uh, happened, Nixon went to Beijing, he went to Moscow, and he came back, and some of those predictions came true. And they asked people for the ones that came true, right, what did you rate the probability as? Like, just try to remember, what did you rate the probability as? And of course, magically, they all rated the ones that actually came true as high, and the ones that didn't come true as low, when in fact, if you look back at their original answers, it was all over the place. It wasn't, you know, they didn't predict those any higher, they weren't any better at predicting um, than any of the other guesses. So once something actually happens, we think we predicted it when in fact um, we would have given any other option like the same weight. Um, uh, the title of the paper, by the way, about that Nixon-Beijing thing was called I Knew It All Along, and it's part of the reason this bias is called the I Knew It All Along bias. Um, there's another one where you're given a scenario where a therapist finds out that one of their patients says they're going to harm a specific person and they don't tell that person. Um, and you're told like three different outcomes. One, nothing happened to that person. Two, something minor happened to that person. Three, something severe happened to that person. And in the cases where something severe happened to that person, the person, the, the, the experiment uh, T, <laughs> the subject says, oh, well, then the, um, the therapist, you know, is, is guilty of malpractice. They should have warned them. Whereas if nothing happened, right, if they're told nothing happened, they're like, oh, the therapist probably did the right thing. You know, therapist client privilege, that's fine, right? So they craft their answer based on the outcome rather than based on, well, what should a therapist always do <laughs> in that situation? Again, this hindsight bias of, well, if they had just done that, this thing would have been prevented. Um, Another one uh, with sort of visual uh, hindsight bias. So there's like a basic version where you show people a bunch of blurry pictures um, and then have them sort of, you know, estimate 
you know, how clear the picture is. And then for some of them, you show them the actual, like, higher resolution version where it's not blurry anymore. And then you kind of ask them retroactively, how clear was that original picture? How, you know, well could, were you we able to guess? And again, magically, for the ones that they eventually saw the real picture, they're like, oh yeah, I, I could have guessed pretty easily what that was. And and you know what else? Someone else could also guess pretty easily. That's the other weird thing about hindsight bias is that it, it isn't just you. You think that anybody, right, who sees that, you know, incomplete information, once you know what the actual answer is, should be able to make a perfect guess. Um, it's weird. Uh, so there's a radiograph test version of the same thing where they actually took like thousands, like maybe 4,000 people who were being, being given chest x-rays on a regular basis. Um, and some of them did eventually develop uh, cancer. And they basically, when these, when these uh, chest x-rays were, were being made over a course of like many, many years, um, they would have people actually, you know, um, physicians would look at these and sort of determine whether or not they saw anything. For the ones who actually developed, you know, cancerous uh, tumors, there were spots, they would go back, right, and have um, those people look at the original x-rays and be like, and they would, again, magically suddenly see, oh yeah, it should have been clear, right? Um, because they knew the final outcome and it biased how they looked at the previous evidence when in fact perfectly fine physicians had looked in, radiologists looked at this evidence before and saw nothing. Um, so obviously this bias has a big, you know, uh, influence on malpractice suits and how people look at, you know, uh, medical procedures in hindsight. And the problem is very often these suits are looked at in terms of, okay, here's the outcome. What should the doctor have done rather than standard of care, right? Which is, well, here's what a doctor should always do. Like we came up with these procedures and these standards, you know, in order to prevent these outcomes. So really the question should be, did they follow those procedures regardless of the outcome? Right? And that's sort of one of the ways you try to combat hindsight bias. This is to say, I'm not going to tell you the outcome. I'm just going to tell you what this doctor did. You tell me whether or not it was the right thing to do simply based on the standard of care rather than, oh, the outcome, right? Because there'll be a lot of times where they'll follow the standard of care and shit happens, for lack of a better word, and something bad happens, even though they did everything right. But because the outcome was bad, you assume they must have done something wrong, which isn't always the case. Um, so that's sort of a, a flaw kind of at the heart of how we try to deal with um, uh, malpractice. Um, so the way this was phrased in one article is any assessment of how people react to information or intelligence regarding a potential event should be done without the benefit of the knowledge that the event actually happened, right? You should be able to look at the lead up to a thing and judge based on that alone, okay, did they follow the correct procedures, regardless of the outcome? Because that's how laws are made, right? That's how we you know, decide rather than simply okay, here was the outcome, let's backtrack to what did you do wrong, that isn't always how things happen. Um, part of the uh, other reason this gets tricky is because we reconstruct memory, right, based on the outcome. So uh, we'll give one answer before we know the outcome, and then after we hear the answer, we give a different after, after we hear the actual result, we, get, we, we say that we rem remembered something differently. We say that we gave a, a different answer the first time around. And we've seen this with a few other biases, right? Where you're sort of given, you know, a test case and then later on um, you're asked again, well, what did you say? And you say something completely different. And this is because memory is constructed, right? Memory isn't a perfect camera. It's something else we've talked about, right? It's something that you reconstruct as you get new knowledge, which makes memory really, really faulty, right? And really, really, really unreliable. But that's part of how the hindsight bias works. You see the outcome and then you reconstruct how you remember the things that happened before the outcome. Um, and the other tricky thing here is you start to overestimate how good you are at remembering things or how good other people should be at remembering things um, or predicting outcomes.
And there's, uh, going back to the whole thing about medical review, right? So there's a couple different strategies we've come up with for how to review uh, a medical, medical malpractice or, or uh, a bad medical outcome. Um, and they're called the uh, error elimination strategy and the safety management strategy. And anyone who's interested in like processes or how things work or project management or any of these kind of like, you know, systems design geeky stuff, I highly recommend you kind of look these two terms up because they're really fascinating approaches and fundamentally philosophically different approaches to how you prevent bad things from happening. So error elimination strategy is basically saying, we're gonna look and try to find the cause. What went wrong? Why did this go wrong, right? Which seems reasonable enough, but it completely depends upon looking at the outcome and working backwards, right? And so it is super susceptible to the hindsight bias. Um, the safety management strategy is slightly different and it's basically asking what are the possible constraints, right, during the decision-making process um, that could have led to these errors, right? So you're not kind of looking at the outcome so much as you're looking at all of the things that happens leading up to it and trying to understand where is the incomplete information coming from or more to the point, where is the information being prevented from actually getting to the people who needed it? Right, and that's kind of a different approach, which isn't completely immune to the hindsight bias, but it's a lot less prone to it, and a little bit less error prone. And again, there's two kind of fundamentally different ways of looking at how you, you know, account for risk. And again, if you are kind of a process nerd, I highly recommend you look these two approaches up. They're called the error elimination strategy and the safety management strategy, and they're very big in sort of the medical community. And and, and over time, people have moved more toward the safety management strategy, but um, but it's it's really interesting stuff if you're a process nerd. Um, another place this pops up, you know, not surprisingly, is in post-traumatic stress disorder, especially with, you know, vets who witnessed something traumatic happening to a friend, right? And it becomes very difficult for them to not believe that they could have prevented their friend from getting killed. Um, and it is uh, totally understandable, but at the same time, as we know from the hindsight bias, not necessarily so, right? Because there's lots of things, lots of factors involved, and lots of different times, you know, that th things could have happened. So, but it is another of the, you know, very harmful places that a hindsight bias pops up. Um, another place this pops up, uh, as you might expect, right, is in jury trials, right? So, in a jury trial, you know the outcome, right? You're there for a murder case because someone died or for a malpractice case or for negligence, you know? And so knowing the outcome and the severity of the outcome changes just how much you think the people involved uh, should have known what was going to happen, right? So let's say it's criminally negligent homicide. Um, the people involved, the, uh, the accused should have known this was going to happen based on just how horrible the outcome was. If it's a minor, you know, thing, it's not homicide, it's something else. But if it's like something where people died, then there's much more of a presumption that you should have known what was gonna happen, even if scientifically that makes no sense. Um, so, uh, and similarly, it can kind of work in reverse where it's something where you may have a plaintiff who um, had a terrible outcome with something, but because of the um, hindsight bias, you think to yourself, well, they really should have known how risky that was, right? So it can kind of work against the plaintiff as well. Um, but either way, it's this bias based on, I know, we know what happens now, we're going to assume what people should have known before that, rather than just looked at, well, not knowing the outcome, what would any reasonable person you know, work with. And that's generally how people try these cases when they're trying to avoid the hindsight bias is to sort of make you look, think about the timeline and think about like who knew what when and what any reasonable person would have done with the incomplete information they had rather than look at the outcome um, and uh, try to, you know, assign guilt based on that. Um, 
which in general is how you combat the hindsight bias, right? You try to consider alternative explanations, right? You try to think about all of the other reports of terrorist activity that amounted to nothing and look at the decision-making in that context, right? Would you have picked this particular um, uh, threat to... Uh, to investigate over all of these others and why, right? What about that threat? Not knowing the outcome would have made you pick that one over all of the thousands of others' threats because limited resources, right? That's another thing we don't think about when we think about, you know, hindsight bias is all of these decisions are made with incomplete information and limited resources. And we pretend in hindsight, oh, uh, the government has limitless resources, or the you know police force has limitless resources, uh, or the doctor has limitless resources. Why didn't they look at everything and then make the correct assessment? Because we assume that's how decisions are made, when in fact, anyone who's like lived a day in their life knows, no, that's not how decisions are made. You're constantly working with incomplete information. You're constantly deciding amongst you know limited resources which one do I want to apply to what you know the fifty different decisions I have to make today. Um, uh, but we have this illusion in our heads of this perfect world of, well, everybody else, they should be able to you know, make these assessments properly and nothing bad will ever happen. Um, but if you consider alternative explanations and consider that context, you're less susceptible to the hindsight bias. And this goes way back to a very early episode where we talked about like how the scientific method evolved to, to combat uh, confirmation bias. And it is this basic notion of saying, okay, rather than just lock into this one hypothesis of what should have happened or what did happen, I'm going to sort of look at, well, what are some alternative hypotheses and see if I can prove them right? Like, what would be true if the alternate, like, was true? And then you can very quickly get to things like, oh, maybe there were thousands of different, you know, terrorist threats to investigate, and it, wouldn't, it wasn't as easy as it sounds to pick that one to put all your resources into. Uh, if you are interested kind of in that, um, the threat assessment around 9-11, uh, Malcolm Gladwell has a great article that really kind of pulls apart. Here are all the different threats that they were looking at at the same time, and kind of, well, what would you have done, right? Like, which which one, like, what about this one would have made it special? Um, it's a really good, really good analysis. So anyway, um, interesting thing to think about when you're looking back on the year and all the things you think should have happened <laughs> or should not have happened and why and who should have made what decisions, um, especially in this environment. Um, interesting stuff to think about. So um, have a happy new year, and I hope we all have a great 2018 for the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dylan Thomas, and we will see you in the new year. Thank you.